Hello, my name is Richard Simmons and I'm Features Editor at The Lawyer Magazine and this is The Lawyer's first ever wellness podcast. With me are two wonderful legal professionals, Andrew Wells and Eloise Skinner. Hello to, uh, to both of you. Hi. Um, we hope that this will be the first in a long series covering all sorts of well-being related topics. Um, but before we begin, we want to talk briefly about why we started this podcast in the first place. Wellness, mental health initiatives within law firms are really in vogue at the moment. Um, and for me, the decision to start a podcast came after going to a wellness event at a firm which was very well intentioned, but it only really scratched the surface. Um, And at the same time, I knew a lot of legal professionals coming at this topic from different angles, and I'm delighted to have two of them with me today. So, Andrew, um, why not tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first got involved in the the mental health arena? Yeah, Um, so I am a senior associate, uh, I've been qualified for about six and a half years, and I really came to this as a result of my own experiences of depression and anxiety over the last probably four years, which I'm pleased to say I'm now emerging from, but having been through that and sort of lived through it and seen the pluses and the negatives of the experience from the perspective of stigma and the workplace and the support I got from work, I kind of wanted to to share that experience in in the hope that other people find that helpful and maybe able to open up more than they would have done otherwise. What about you, Eloise? What's your background? Um, So I am a qualified solicitor at a US law firm Cleary Gottlieb. I've been qualified for a few years now and I've always had a passion for well-being and um, kind of activities in the well-being space. So I'm a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher as well and um, particularly from the junior end of the profession I um, have a real interest in yeah, cultivating a sustainable career in the law um, that is balanced and also has purpose to it and um, so that's really where my interest comes from. Fantastic. And, um, and Andrew, I don't know if you have any hopes for the podcast uh, as we go forward, anything that in future future editions you'd like to cover? I think one of the things we'll try and do is to have more conversations with people who have particular experience either of mental health conditions or of having supported people through them in the legal profession and just try and open up more discussion and debate and, and try and in effect normalise what is an incredibly common condition, particularly in our industry. I think that's that's what we all all want to do. I think, um, certainly from my point of view, I'm hoping that this podcast, it sounds cheesy, will be be a bit inspiring um, and that we'll be able to have actually some some frank discussions that that perhaps uh, are necessary and aren't always always possible in, in in every arena in the law. We'll also be looking for contributions from our listeners as well. Um, At the end of the podcast, we'll let you know how to get in touch. Uh, We really do want to hear from you. Uh, If you have ideas, we want you to to tell us about them. Um, But after the break, we are going to be talking about mental health first aiders.
today we're going to have a, a chat about mental health mentors, first aiders, champions. There are all sorts of titles out there, but we thought it was worth uh, just exploring the different roles and how, how they sort of contribute to mental well-being in the workplace. Um, so Eloise and I are now joined by Chris Johnson from HFW. And Chris, maybe you want to just introduce yourself briefly. Sure, thank you. Yeah, so I'm, I'm the firm's head of comms. Um, I am one of the firm's trained mental health first aiders. So that was a two-day course that I did earlier this year. And so we have a, a network across the firm of, of people. So um, I don't know if you want me to, to go into that role a little bit. So yeah, really the most important thing to state here is that, that we're not trained counsellors or therapists. So we're, we're not supposed to be treating, we're just supposed to be identifying where there are issues with people and helping them get professional help. So this isn't something that would have an intention of having regular meetings with the same person. You know, I suppose it sort of breaks up into, into two main camps. Somebody who just wants somebody to talk to, and um, Andrew, you mentioned earlier about um, stigma, clearly this being a, a serious issue in relation to, to mental well-being and mental health. And so it's about trying to you know, normalize this for people across the business to make it clear that there are people that they can come to if they just want to talk about you know, something that, that they're dealing with, something that friends or colleagues are dealing with, to help um, identify um, some of the warning signs that the people might not pick up on themselves and then just direct them towards appropriate help. And talking about workplace culture and environment, so Eloise, you're a mental health champion. Mm -hmm. How does that role fit into creating change in, in the workplace? Yeah, so I think the Champions Network was created with the intention of um, opening up a discussion about mental health and yeah, removing the stigma and, and remaining stigma from mental health issues in the workplace. And I think the intention was to have a group of people, um, a mix of people, not just lawyers and not just senior people, but really from the whole spectrum across the firm, who are yeah, passionate about the issue and also open to people coming to discuss with them. So I think what it has done for us so far is just um, created an atmosphere where people feel like they're more able to discuss these issues. So in any sense that it's kind of a role model, sort of people being willing to put themselves out there and say, I'm happy to talk about mental health. Yeah, exactly. And um, publicising um, people who are available in the office and even saying you know, where they are, where you can find them and what kind of things you can come and talk to them about. Um, whether it's your own mental health or someone you know or you just want to generally find out a little bit more. Um, it's just the openness, I think. And Chris, you, you talked about your mental health first aider and it is interesting to, to draw a comparison to physical first aid, mm -hmm. put it that way, which has been around for so long and is, is a requirement in, in so many ways. So how, how is your, your training, because you obviously went on a course, yeah. um, as people do if they're trying to get first aid certification, mm -hmm. what was that like? It was an incredible thing to do actually, just, just speaking personally, so there were 15 of us doing the two-day course, um, 13 from within the firm and, um, and some clients as well, and the, the thing that really struck me was just how everyone was talking about their own personal experience, uh, whether that's something that they've um, dealt with themselves or you know, friends and family. And just really, it just really struck me how widespread and, and common this is. And you know, the, 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 the parallel between mental health first aider and physical first aider is, is a really good one because essentially it's the same thing. And yet um, people might find it strange to have a mental health first aider within a business and yet you know, they, they would have no issue saying, oh, I've got a, a physical um, 
injury, um, you know, hurt your knee playing football or you've got a cold, and yet they wouldn't necessarily feel as comfortable saying, I'm feeling a bit depressed or anxious. And so it's just, again, just trying to, to, to make it clear that there, there is no difference. These are all things that we deal with on a, on a very regular basis and just trying to make sure that the people you know, have somebody to speak to and, and that they can get the appropriate help. And, and it's interesting, I was reflecting the other day on a, a panel. There's an education piece to this as well, so going out into the, the businesses that you work in, because it, it just struck me that I went entirely through my schooling, my university, my legal training, and work, and at no point in that process was there a, any stage where someone sat down and said, this is what depression looks like, this is what anxiety is like, these are the warning signs that you need to kind of just keep an eye on. Um, and as you say, if you have a, a bad cough for like a month, you go to the doctor and think, oh, it might be a chest infection. It's just all that stuff is basic knowledge. Um, and I guess there is, I know it's part of the training in all the different schemes we've done, um, but also a role for mentors and champions and first aiders to go out and try and raise awareness in their workplaces that these are the typical symptoms of these particular conditions. And I, I, I think that's quite important. Yeah, um, I, I would say one of the biggest things that um, we've experienced running the schemes so far is just more curiosity in the office about people who want to know more or understand more because the champions have also had this, um, we did a similar training with mental health first aid England, um, a one day course. And a lot of that is the education piece um, and so the ability to redirect people to further resources as and when they need it. Um, but yeah, I would say personally being a champion, the biggest thing that I've seen is people asking more questions and being more interested in it. Um, so I think that's a really important part of it. So Chris, what's your, do you have any particular, obviously without sharing the details, but any particular experiences that you've particularly interesting or helpful or moving or difficult? Yeah, I, I, I have. I mean, um, without wanting to, to, to go into the specifics of it, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had uh, friends and family who have been uh, affected quite quite seriously by, uh, by mental health issues. Um, and I, I, I think that's actually something worth mentioning here, that you don't need to have had mental health issues yourself to be an effective mental health first aider. It's just about getting educated yourself to, you know, un understand the various conditions, know what to look out for, and know how to, to, to direct people. But it, it's more, I think, than anything about being able to listen to people. Um, and so you're, you're, you're not trying to come up with solutions. And so at the, the most basic level, if somebody just wants to talk to somebody about something, just sitting there and actually, you know, almost allowing them to process it themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, again, have had um, experiences and known people with um, mental health issues. And in my work as a yoga teacher, I see a lot of people in the country with um, things that they've just been dealing with on an everyday level. So maybe things that aren't bad enough to, um, to be in crisis mode, but kind of a generalised um, sense of um, dissatisfaction or anxiety and things like that. Um, and I think a lot of it is the culture that we live in and especially working in the city, a lot of people are just dealing with these issues and not really knowing where to look for further resources and support. Particularly in an industry that is as high stress as the law. Yeah. And it is interesting, certainly from, from my experience, um, when I was struggling, the support I got was fantastic and most of the problem in, in reality was my own perception of how I would be received. Even so, in a really supportive environment, it's really hard to go in and actually open up. But what I did find was once I could do that, as you say, Chris, exactly, actually just the process of talking, and it's a, it's a cliche, but it's a really true 
point is the, the more people can talk about it and feel able to ask for help, the earlier they'll do that, the more support they'll get, and the better result is for everybody. Um, so I think the whole, there's the practical side of it, and then I think as we've discussed, there's the, the broader kind of change in the whole attitude towards mental health that these schemes provide. And the two together, I think, are really important in, in making a, a good environment. And as, as Eloise says, I think that um, yeah, the, the, the champions, or at least um, having internal events where you are having people talking about this in a very open way, that's so important because it just makes it something that people know that the firm are, uh, are alive to and they care about it, and just having it be something that it is fine just to talk about in a very normal, everyday way at work, um, and for people to know that it's not a sign of weakness to say that they need some help. And so Eloise, what would you what would you say to someone who's not quite sure whether to get involved or is a bit nervous or thinks they don't have the right skill set or, or they're not, you know, up to date enough with mental health conditions, but they want to do something to help? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean the first step is to really develop this education piece and the awareness, so get involved and go on a course, go on a training course, find out more, talk to people who have done a similar thing in the past. Um, and then if, once you feel like you have enough um, information to kind of redirect people as appropriate or you feel like you understand a bit more about it, then yeah, definitely get involved and, and be a champion or a mentor or whatever your environment might be. Chris, any, any thoughts for firms as well that might be not currently doing something like this? Yeah, I, I, I know that some firms um, are wary of having mental health first aiders because they worry about um, the mental health first aiders actually overstepping their role and, and that sort of boundary between providing first aid support and that sort of professional counselling being blurred. So long as you have that, and that clearly is very important, I, I think this is something that all firms really should have. It's, it's an incredibly valuable resource and um, you know, just speaking personally, I'm, I'm really proud of, of the firm that I work for, knowing that this is an issue that they take so seriously. So if there are firms that are on the fence about it, I'd, I'd really encourage it. That was the Lawyers Wellness Podcast with me, Richard Simmons, Andrew Wells, Eloise Skinner and Chris Johnson. We want your contributions too. If you're grateful for something or someone in the legal profession, we are going to do a thank you section at the end of each future podcast. So send me your shout out with some detail about who you're thankful to and why. You can reach me on richard.simmons at lawyer.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.